five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? You're listening to Colourful Radio on DAB in London and the Southeast, or maybe you're streaming us online or over the web. However you're tuning in, you're very welcome, and we hope you're going to enjoy our weekly news review show, Five in the Eye. I'm Phil Woodford, and this is episode 0436. This is me, Michael O'Hajuru, joining Phil via Zoom, and revealing that our top story is going to be the King's Speech this week. Was there anything to get the voters' pulses racing? Five in the Eye. Mm. And for story number two, we look at how people who've been accused of racism have been able to find financial support through crowdfunding. What does this say about society as a whole? Um, What's story number three this week? Well, the budget store Aldi will be closed on Boxing Day to allow staff to spend extra time with their loved ones. Will we all be rushing down to little instead? Or should we be grateful the employees are being treated well? For our fourth story, we ask how prepared we should be for our final journey. Eventually, Michael and I will be heading for the radio studio in the sky. But what clutter will we be leaving behind? And should we start clearing it out now? Finally, to wrap up the eye, Phil is very, very enthusiastic about a new Heinz product. It's ketchup combined with pickle. Oh, (laughs) what a fantastic initiative. And that's this week's five in the eye five in the eye okay we're going to start this week by having a quick look back at the uh, king's speech um and um you know overall impression to me michael was that this is a government that's kind of pretty uh out of ideas it's kind of run out of steam none of the things that seem to be proposed um appear to me to be uh, very substantial so on for instance crime you know whole life sentences for the worst murders well yeah okay you 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 would think that that's probably something that could be done in sentencing guidelines and um this business of forcing criminals to appear in the dock um because some of them like you know lucy letby and what have you wouldn't appear in court well again and i think most people probably agree with that but is it is it something kind of major enough to feature in a in a king's speech the um there's that you know there, there are a couple of things on housing although the extent to which we believe that they're really going to make a difference i think is uh, is debatable i mean banning leaseholds for new houses seems like a good idea but most leaseholds are actually connected to flats and and the flat are still going to be leasehold and leasehold is a very kind of dubious feudal kind of way of organizing property that really benefits the people who who own the land on which the property stands so the tories are not really tackling uh tackling that um on the you know on overtly negative stuff we had the extension of oil and gas projects in the north sea which environmentalists say is a disaster and then we've got for instance the 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 attempts to get kids to stop smoking by raising the smoking age a year every year uh, which will mean that in sort of 10 years time a 24 year old won't be able to buy cigarettes and a 25 year old can i'm quite not quite sure how we're going to be policing that one but uh a hodgepodge of stuff michael some of which was a little bit um sinister some of which was a little bit lame but uh, nothing really dealing with fundamental issues that face the country 
No, it just, it was it was an all the sad and depressing King speech. It, it was his first one, the first King speech he've had in a long time. But it was just there was no edge to it. There was no vision. There was no big story. And for me, I thought it was really sad. This was his opportunity to shine, to, you know, to create something called Sunakism. Somewhere in there, they said, this is, yeah, this is a Sunak speech. It's written by the government, written by him and, him and his people. But there was nothing that stood out that said, this is who he is. And this just goes back to what Sunak is. He's a manager. He's, you know, he's an executive manager, not an effective leader, not a visionary, not we're going to break things better. All those things were just, just, at the edges, what was it you talked about? A little bit about a leasehold, easy bit there. A bit about people got to you got to come to court to be a, you know, to hear your sentence. They just seemed like so what? There was nothing that they really said. This is what this government is about. And even though they claim they're about the future, that, that's his big thing. We're going forward, looking looking to a better future. There was none of that, Phil. So I thought. When you say it fails, it never got started. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, what, what, let, let's let's think. You know, if we have an incoming Labour government, which um, you know I certainly hope for in in a year's time. I mean, I imagine their first speech will contain things that are much more substantial and fundamental. So, on housing, for instance, you know, something which really does give more protection uh, a concrete protection to to leaseholders something that um gives more protection to tenants but also something that pledges to build many more houses because there's a real there's a real crisis there's no sense when you look at these kind of tinkering proposals of the tories they have any kind of feeling for the scale of the problems that need to be addressed i mean another great one a great one in 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 the speech this week michael was pedicabs in in london will be will be regulated you know the people who pedal those funny little things and charge you 15 quid 15 quid for going two minutes up the road you know um or maybe they charge you 500 quid if you're a <laughs> if you're a gullible there's no no big issues and, and he snubbed Cruella Deville. oh but Cruella Braverman well, not Sue Allen Braverman, sorry, Sue Allen Braverman you know she wanted to sort out the tents wants to sort out you know these people who made the lifestyle choice you want he didn't do a big thing about the Met, you know, because he said when the Met refused to um, refused to ban this marsh, there's tension between him and the Met. He didn't do things that uh, would really headline feeding his, his his base. He didn't seem to give any meat to them, you know, because because um, as I say, Suella has given him, you know, the, the ideas. Why isn't he? Taking them on, I get the sense maybe he's given up. You know, they resigned to defeat and we'll just go along because there was no, there was not, not even wrecking balls for the um, for, for, for the Tories for, for the for the for the incoming governments to make it difficult. So yeah, it was, I mean, but if if we say, and I, you know, we, we we're reluctant, I think. Uh, in the time we've got to try and get into all the all the extraordinary antics of Suella uh, Suella Braverman and, and and everything that she's doing and saying at the moment, but you know if they are to strike a chord with a proportion of the electorate and have any chance in the election, it, it does beg the question: Well, what do the Tories need to do? What could they do 
at this stage to rescue themselves. Clearly, the Braverman wing of the party think that the way of rescuing themselves is a drift, a further drift towards extreme right-wing populism um, and stirring people up on certain issues, um, perhaps in an attempt to woo back Tory voters that were pro-Brexit and lost in, in 2019. Um, it seems that Sunak's unwilling to go down that road himself, but equally he's unwilling to face down people like Braverman who, who, who propose all this stuff. No, I'm, I'm, I, you're right, Phil. But for me, he's not put his marker on the party. You know, this is this is who I am. This is what, why I'm leading you. And this is where we're going. It's sense it's not not drift. It's just it's not even steady as he goes. You know, it, it, uh, I'm, 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 it's, in some ways it's good. Those the, the days are over now. This, this, this is the twilight zone for this government, and 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 that and that, that set of um, laws or bills that they, they propose uh, are history. And we look forward to the incoming Labour government with 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 with, with, with a bit of vision. He had his chance to do great, great soon, so, sunakism. But nah, it's gone. Opportunity gone. Yeah, but it, it, and, uh, you know, I think the reality is he's someone who is, as you say, he's like a managerialist. He's a technocrat. He comes from a banking background. He 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 just doesn't actually have any real vision, to be honest, of where he thinks the country should go. He probably doesn't have any real understanding of what the problems in the country are because he's never had to face any of them. It's it's really really not. Yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean he he's detached, and this is why the Tories languish so much. And what what always strikes me as really bizarre is that. He probably was the best choice available to the Tories in terms of who, who could who could lead them, and and, and and yet he is still, and yet he's still failing miserably. Um, they just haven't got they haven't got anyone who could step up at this point, have they? No, he had a great opportunity after trust to really you know, put his put his mark on the on the party, and when he brings in Hunt to stabilise things, get the ship stable, but he never took off. You know, you got to. You know, it's one thing to to tread water calmly. Another thing to get swimming and moving. He never got moving. He never beyond, never got beyond head boy for me. So sunakism never not going to happen. Live in the eye. Moving on to story number two this week. For me, it's a it's a sad story in many ways. This is the um, so those policemen, two policemen who were arrested. Um, uh, what was her name? Um, Bianca Williams and 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 her partner, and, and they, they handcuffed her. They handcuffed her because they believed she had marijuana. They could smell marijuana. Handcuffed her with with a little baby in the back, and it turns out two of the policemen lied. They lied in court, so they were sacked. But now we found that through crowdsourcing, they've raised over a hundred and thirty pounds for these two police officers. 130,000, Michael, yeah. Yet the majority of that plan has come from serving police officers. Even the, and I'm reading that they were even forcing black officers to donate to this fund for a fellow officer. The policemen lied. They lied. So they have a right to lie. I'm saying this is just another nail in the coffin of, of, of the, med, the, the meds, um, 
acceptability as a policing force in the capital. You know, yeah. I mean, if if there's if you know uh, if there are police officers who are, uh, you know, who are donating to this, um, I I think serious questions should be raised. If they are putting pressure on other officers to uh, to donate, uh, that is even worse in in my point of view because anyone who did donate to such a fund should be doing so freely and without any with without any pressure. And then I presume there is all there are also members of the public who are sympathetic mm, mm. to the police and one you know one of the things that you know we've talked about before michael that really does de depress me about this is is that you know we like to think that we've moved on as a society that there is maybe less racism than there was in the past and then you see things like this and you kind of realize that there is a world out there of people who still think uh unacceptable things who are stuck in a uh, stuck in a bygone age they haven't moved on and it's very it, it, it it's only very slightly hidden and it kind of surfaces doesn't it every every a little while something <laughs> happens and it comes comes bubbling up and you're right you know, it's, it's always there you know we talk about post-racial you know after obama we're all we're all it's all it's all love in the house. It's all come by ya, uh, and it's not. There's a, there was a there was a second story, not the story about that that Tory MP, it, it, uh, Bob Stewart, who, who well, was... I thought it was it was trivial. You know, he he, he accused someone get, go back to Bahrain. It's pretty lightweight, yeah. but a, but, but he, he he he. You know, there was a court case, and he 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 was found to have done this, wasn't he? Oh, exactly. But then, but for me. I thought it was trivial, but I made it. But then he was fined, and he's crowdsourcing the money to pay for his fine and his legal fees. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, here we're not talking about quite the same sums of money, but it's the principle. It's, no, it's, it's, it's the, the, it's it's the principle that's involved. Um, so then the question might be: Okay, crowdfunding has become a big thing in the last sort of 15 years and people use it for all kinds of causes so there are two ways that this could potentially go one would be that there would be some kind of legislation that kind of said what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable to crowdfund for or you could put the onus on the crowdfunding sites themselves to say like you know we draw a line at you raising money for this or raising money for that that's i'm sure some of the crowdfunding sites would say they do have lines that they do, they do but, but they maybe do. Do. these particular examples don't cross those lines it's a very very difficult thing to police or to judge isn't it no but you know it's, it's a personal decision but these are corporates these, you know they, these crowdfunding sites are, are, are corporate and it's, it, it, they make a decision based on on how the corporate feels or the body feels or not just individual the individual uh, decisions so it's a bit, you know, like Twitter when Twitter banned uh, Trump and other outspoken or controversial figures, and then they, they were accused of uh, denying him right the, the, the right of free speech. Because, mm -hmm. but, but it's not a, it's not a public platform; it's a private platform. So to legislate, I, I think that's that, that, that's not the way to go, Phil. In terms of the uh, things you can put on the crowdsourcing sites, in terms of what can be crowdsourced, we have to leave it to the their own ethic, their ethical basis, their own their own standards of how they would handle these things. 
But it, but it, so it says more about us as a society that you know that we allow these things, that we will donate to these things at these kind of volumes. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be for banning them. <laughs> no, I mean, in a way, you know, it's it's a you know distasteful. Though I personally find it. You know, it gives a bit of a it gives a bit of an insight actually into the world that we live in, mm. and it, it it reminds us of the, the the fact that, as you say, it's not all kumbaya and sweetness, <laughs> sweetness and light, and 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 perhaps it's actually um, you know healthy for 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 society as a whole to know that this is you know this is going on. If it if it wasn't publicly. Um, shown on a crowdfunding website no doubt the same kind of funding would be done behind closed doors anyway uh that people would find ways of raising money wouldn't you they drive we, it we wouldn't ground. know about it so much um so uh, yeah i mean I, th- I think it's sad it's a bit it's a bit depressing um but there's a very little way in which we're probably going to be able to regulate or, or, or stop it so um uh, it, it, i guess the status quo here is going to pre- prevail live in the eye story number three this week is an interesting one because um people have been used to going shopping boxing on boxing day at at um, aldi in the past and maybe you've um had a great christmas day but you found your stocks of food have been have become somewhat depleted through your excessive uh, celebrations and then you can pop down to aldi on boxing day to to replenish supplies but not anymore because this year the uh, the the German owned uh, budget supermarket chain has decided that it will give its workers Boxing Day off, so that they can spend more time with their family. And um, you know, at one level, Michael, kind of, you know, this has to be applauded because you could say a lot of people who who work in relative, I mean, you know, supermarkets are not the worst paying jobs, but they're relatively low paid, and they, you know, people perhaps work pretty hard don't they it seems very fair that there's a there's some balance given back and that people have a chance to celebrate the christmas season on the other hand the selfish side of us as consumers says we want to be able to walk into any supermarket 24 7 365 days a year and buy what uh, buy whatever we need and we we all become a a, a, a bit rambunctious when uh, when we're told we can't no, no, you're right in that respect. We do, you know, we're almost living in a 24 by 7 society. And, I, and I, back in the day, I remember when Sunday used to be a day of rest. You know, now it's a day of, of, of shopping. You know, so we've moved on now in terms of our expectations. And I think you could argue it's a bit of a gimmick on Aldi in the sense that they could manage their staff rotations and pay people appropriately in terms of, you know, triple time, whatever it is. You know, if you work in these uh, on these on these these big holidays, you could pay them accordingly. So I I, I don't see it as a. I, I would much prefer for Aldi to, to deliver that service or shops to be open when I want them to be open, but then for them to pay their staff accordingly and for people to have the choice, the choice to do that. So no, it's uh, but then uh, but it's it's good that they're looking after their staff, but at the same time, you know, look, but we, we, why aren't they looking after me, the consumer? 
and giving I mean, me the I, chance I, to I'm show. wondering whether they have an eye towards kind of recruitment as well and they're they're kind of thinking well if people hear that we treat the staff a bit better that you 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 don't have to work on Boxing Day, maybe they're just going to pull more people in than rival supermarkets in terms of being willing to work there. But you're saying, well, actually, the the bottom line is, well, how much do you pay per hour? And uh, if you are going to pay double time or triple time or something like that, maybe that's a more valuable way of uh, recompensing the employees and yeah, saying, you can have a day off. You know, because look, look at Amazon. There's, there's, an ad, there's an advert on Amazon now on the telly. And it's not for Amazon the company it's amazon the employees it's talking about how he's given he's got six weeks holiday a year or something, something I think it, yeah it's, it's a term it's a term time contract isn't it uh which yeah. means that that this this employee and the commercial is, is is able to i think it may be even 10 weeks off uh during during the year um and and so that's a kind of flexible contract that suits parents isn't it who've got kids at school exactly and that's the kind of thing that all they could do Rather than depriving me of that service, that, you know, on the opportunity on, on Boxing Day, they could look after their, their employees and manage their time better. And in the same way, that's that, that's Amazon saying, "Look, we're an ethical company. We're looking after our people." You know, you know that, that you've heard of um, ECG, this um, corporate corporate governance measure, in terms of you look at how you look after the environment, your social responsibility, and how you govern yourself. You know, Amazon. I looked up their figure. You know, it's a it's a it's a measure of um, not to a hundred percentage. And Amazon's figure was was fifty one point four percent, whereas uh, Aldi's was forty two. So Aldi, you know, Amazon are better than Aldi. But having said that, my, my own company, my own favorite company, Lidl. I like Lidl. Sixty six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I all I would say to Lidl is. If you can may, maybe give your staff a little bit of a break from shoveling things down the conveyor belt at 150 miles an hour, then, <laughs> then, then that would probably benefit. That would probably benefit both the staff and the consumer. You've got to get things moving. Get that. Get that line moving. I must admit, they, they do. They do move things down that line. But no, I think the, the, the idea. Of, oh, I, I don't. I don't give Aldi any slack or cut them some slack for giving their staff close on 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 the Boxing Day. I just had to pay them better and, and, and put a flexible program together so people have got the choice. You give people the choice to work on, on Boxing Day. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, that, that would help me as a consumer. You know, get what I want. Final question, Michael. What, what, what would you normally do on a Boxing Day? Would you be down the supermarket? Would you classically have been down the sales in, in Oxford? I remember the days when the, the Boxing Day sales were a big thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I used to go to the sales. But the sales now, the Boxing Day sales, not what they used to be. The fact they brought stuff they brought in bulk from other places or, or the stuff they couldn't sell in Japan, they bring it back here to try and sell it to us. Well, it, where I stopped going was, was this they You saw them. You know, packs of three underpants. Yeah, they actually took them out and they were selling them individually in the part of the sale. And thought, now this is this is uh, no, this is not a proper sale. This is just stupidity. You know, being so are worse than things. Because back in that, I used to get up at four in the morning to get down to the next sale in Liverpool. This wow, is about 10, 15 this years is, ago. This is real dedication. That would be twenty years ago now. They yeah, had proper sales, but not anymore. They don't think. I think the Boxing Day sales are 
nah, move on. I'm not, not excited about them, not at all. But I still I like the option of shopping on Boxing Day, though. That'd be like the Live in the eye. Moving on to story number four. I can't count, I can't count. This one that really appealed to me, and it's something I've been thinking about for a long time, it's in the news. It's about a Swedish or a Scandinavian um, idea, so-called death cleaning. This is couples in their 40s spend a year sorting stuff out that they should throw away so that when you die, well, when they die, their family doesn't have to go to all this stuff. And I think that's a brilliant idea. And I've been trying it myself, but it's hard, Phil. I tell you, it's hard because it always stops. Are, are you in your Are you in your forties, Michael? <laughs> Thank you for that, Phil. Thank you for that. Because you find you know, all these things matter; they're relevance, you know. So you, stuff just accumulates, and then when you you buy more books, buy more stuff. I try to stop now. Stop. I do. I, I stop buying things. The one thing I, I do do. I'm buying less clothes, you know, so I'm not getting more clothes in. But then, as I say, I'm buying more books and stuff. So everybody says you should stop buying books, but I can't. They're important. We need them. So rather than death, I'm not doing the death pleading. I'm, 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 what's, what's the opposite of death? I'm, I'm, prepared. I'm making sure they don't have that much to throw away. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, the reality is I, I'm terrible for this kind of thing. I mean, I've got loads and loads of junk and clutter and it, it would be a night when, when, when I, when I do pop my clocks, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. Uh, I, I, and I appreciate that. I'm not very good at throwing things away. I mean, I'm not quite on the scale of like those hoarding programs on the TV where the poor people are kind of living in piles of, uh, piles of rubbish, but I, I do, have a great problem with kind of chucking stuff uh or always that nagging thought well you might need it or and things like i've got lots of books in the garage and then people would say well yeah but you you've either never read them or you read them years ago and you you you, you you've never looked at them since but there's something the way i was brought up is like books were important and you wouldn't get rid yeah, exactly of, I, I just, it's, it's silly isn't it no, you're right. The nearest I got to a film, I was, in some of my art history books, I'm getting a bit serious now, but that this after 25 years, as a generation, you, you should move on to the next edition. And I did throw one book out to buy the next edition. That's probably the only book I've ever thrown out because I bought a newer version of it. But it's, uh, do you say, it, it's books are for the ages, you know, but, but, but I tell you one thing I do get rid of. I've got rid of um, my bank statements because <laughs> I don't well, have any. Oh, yeah, yeah, any yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Miss, Mrs. W and I are terrible for that, like keeping our bank statements back to when we were, like, you know, uh, when Margaret Thatcher was prime minister. And just just, just in case you might need. On the other hand, we did have an example recently where it came in useful because we were able to prove that we would paid for something um, about – seven or eight years ago um and you couldn't get that statement online because it was too far back and we 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 had a paper copy of it so i mean you should be very happy for yourself <laughs> happy <laughs> for yourself you know because because even the even the um her majesty government 
says you've got to keep records for seven years. Yeah. So after seven years, you can bin it. <laughs> yeah, I did to bin. I did to bin. Live in the eye. Our final story this week is a heartwarming one because it's about... No, no, no. <laughs> it's about our friends at Heinz. Um, they've now combined two of our favorite flavors so if you into one condiment so if you imagine if you're a fan like me of ketchup i always always enjoy uh, ketchup and i i'm a great believer that ketchup kind of goes with almost anything um and you also like pickle and i am a fan of pickle i have to say kind of i'm i'm a kind of fairly traditional branston pickle kind of person um but if you like both of these things there is now this new pickled flavored ketchup which um according to heinz combines the tangy and savory flavor of pickles with the unmistakable taste of its ketchup uh i'm not quite clear whether it's, it's going to be hitting stores in certainly in america in early 2024 i don't know whether we're going to benefit from it here immediately michael but i'm sure it'll take off quickly well you know how, you know Phil, how, how open-minded i am I'm open-minded, but I'm not open-tasted. <laughs> and I'm sorry, putting the pickle in, in it's just, no, no, it seems wrong. What, what I do, I, I, put a, I put a little I put a little blob of ketchup on my plate, and I, I sometimes put some pepper on top of it, give it a little edge, or I add some fresh chilies to it. You know, I do that myself, but to go and brand it, it's, because it, you've, you've, you've done this before, Phil, when you had Marmite-flavoured, what was it? Marmite flavored uh, baked beans or something. You know, they add stuff. Mm. And I'm sorry, no, you should take the basic thing and then leave others to add their the own. Mixing should be left to others. But I mean, uh, ketchup and mayonnaise is already a thing, isn't it? Like they 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 mix those two together, ketchup don't they? And may- oh, don't you- oh, I feel ill. <laughs> <laughs> I feel ill because you know, there's nothing wrong with ketchup, nothing wrong with mayonnaise. And you can, you can flavor them yourself, you know, to your taste. But the idea of, you know, branding these stuff with other things, you know, to, that, that add value. But this, you know, what's it? There's no accounting for some people's poor taste. <laughs> well, th- thank you, thank you, Michael, for that vote of confidence in. I was in in the new pickle ketchup. I was very excited about it. Well, now, what do our listeners think? Please let us know. Are you would would you give a go to to Heinz uh, pickle ketchup? Let us know by by contacting us on Facebook. Um, but I think for now, on the on on that savoury tangy note, we'll savoury no, we'll, no, we'll, no, we'll, no. we'll we'll bring five in the eye, episode zero four three six to its close live in the eye well that's it for episode 0436 we've up the news to you minus any dubious condiments do join us again next Friday for another news review show for now this is Phil Woodford saying goodbye and wishing you well for the week ahead and this is me Michael O'Hajuru saying if you have been thanks for listening Phil and I are heading for the hills and we'll start scanning the news for next week's stories. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?